is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up on today's show, we'll delve into the Oklahoma State-Arizona State football game. We'll talk a little OU Kent State, and we'll discuss what Brent Venables and Mike Gundy had to say or didn't have to say about the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars or as many stars as you would like, but let us know how we're doing so we can improve the show. It is football season, and since that is kicked off and kicked off last Thursday, I always like to start next week's episode or the following week's episode with something called Eric Was Right, Eric Was Wrong. It's a complete ripoff of Colin Cowherd's Colin Was Right, Colin Was Wrong. I didn't even bother to change the name, so in a way, it's a tip of the cap to one of the best to have ever done this format. So, where was I wrong? Well, I was definitely wrong about Dylan Gabriel's arm strength. His arm strength coming into this year was a big question for me. After watching him during the spring game, I thought it was average at best, but there were at least a couple of throws on Saturday that showed to me that Dylan Gabriel has the potential to be a big-time quarterback in the Big 12. Playing in the AAC and the Big 12 are two different monsters. Even if the Big 12 isn't quite the caliber of the Southeastern Conference or the Big 10, it's still a Power 5 conference. And the overall talent or overall talent in the Big 12 should be a lot better than the talent that Dylan Gabriel played with and against in the AAC. Now, granted, we only saw him play against UTEP. We did not see him get the opportunity to play against a defensive line, which was going to put him under pressure and force him to run. He was able to be comfortable in the pocket. So kudos to the offensive line. And OU pretty much did what you wanted them to do, which is dominate from start to finish against an opponent that they should have dominated against. And unlike last year, you don't feel like there's a whole lot of questions about where the focus of this team is because Brent Venables had them hyper-focused For this game, they played with an absolute reckless abandon, especially on defense, but in particular back to Dylan Gabriel. He showed me he's not just a game manager. He showed me that he's more than merely an average quarterback who can get the ball to the receivers and let them make plays. No, if Dylan Gabriel needs to do something for OU this year, you have to be more than confident that he can do it. Now, my good friend James Hill thinks he's the best quarterback in the Big 12. I'm not going to go that far, not just yet. Still want to see him play against conference opponents before I rank him number one. In fact, my top three would still be Spencer Sanders one, JT Daniels two. Very impressive in his start for West Virginia this week. And at this point, Dylan Gabriel would be three. But that's not bad. And to think that he might be the number one quarterback in the Big 12 before it's all over with isn't too much of a stretch to say. Where I was also wrong, the OSU defense not near as good as I thought it was going to be this year, especially in the second and third level. Now, one of the things I thought might happen is that OSU's defensive line, because they still are the best in the Big 12, and I will die on that hill. And they still have the two best pass rushers in the entire conference and two of the best pass rushers in the entire country in Trace Ford and Colin Oliver. But neither Oliver nor Ford nor the rest of the defensive line got enough pressure on the Central Michigan Michigan quarterback 
to disguise any of the issues that OSU was going to have at the second and third level. And these guys need to learn how to tackle and they need to learn how to do it quick because if you thought Central Michigan was a pain in the butt to play, wait till you have to deal with Emory Jones and Arizona State coming up this weekend in Stillwater. Now, the good thing about a situation like this for Oklahoma State is it is just week one, and you know that these guys will improve. What you don't know is what their ceiling is. So how much can they can they really improve throughout the year? Well, that remains to be seen. And a lot of times in football, it's a big cliche, but it's definitely worth saying, is that from week one to week two, you see the greatest improvement. And that may be the case with Oklahoma State, as we see a lot of improvement in the linebackers in the secondary. But right now, that's something that we all should probably worry about. Where I was right, OU defense has gotten better. Um, okay, I'm claiming right on that one. Actually, it was a big question mark. It was a big wait and see, but can I give it up to myself like Jim Traber does? No, I can't give it up to myself like Jim Traber does. It was a question. Reggie Grimes was absolutely amazing on Saturday, and I know he didn't lead the team in tackles. That was Billy Bowman, uh, but Danny Stutzman also Danny Stutzman also had a hell of a game. I thought Stutzman and Grimes really sh- stole the show despite the stats that Bowman put up, the other thing that I absolutely loved about those two was the physicality that they played with. And watching that game, it felt like four or five guys were around the ball. So OU was getting off their blocks. It was fundamentally sound good defense that OU was playing on Saturday. And if you thought they were on the field a little bit too long, Well, that's something that Jeff Levy and the OU offense is working to correct because there are going to be points where you're just going to have to grind it out. The tempo, the pacing, all that was good for OU, but when you're trying to get your defense a little bit rest, you're going to have to figure out how to slow it down. And if it means, by gosh, huddle up, oh my gosh, do it. And yes, one thing I would like to see, didn't see on Saturday was a bit more conventional offense out of Oklahoma, especially when they go up in the goal line. Um, I want to see hands on the ground. That's not necessarily a prerequisite here for your offensive lineman, but, but if you can get under center, that's something that would be definitely helpful. And if you can figure out a way to just run the ball, take time off the clock, and put together some lengthy drives, then your defense will certainly thank you for it. Uh, The up-tempo for Oklahoma State wasn't necessarily right on this one either. It was another question mark, but the offense looked absolutely beautiful under Spencer Sanders. Matter of fact, Spencer Sanders had four touchdowns and no interceptions, and everybody's always worried about what's going to happen with Spencer Sanders. Is he going to throw the ball to the wrong team? He's not doing that this year. The most beautiful play I think we saw the entire night, disagree with me if you want to, was the quarterback draw. Uh, We know Spencer Sanders is going to be a big part of the running game. He's going to have to be a big part of the running game if Oklahoma State has any chance to compete for the Big 12, but his passing looked good. His decision-making was great. Think about how indecisive Spencer Sanders looked in his second year and at the beginning of last year for Oklahoma State. You don't see that anymore. You don't see the hesitation. What you see is a confident kid 
playing quarterback, using his athletic ability to his advantage. And if the offensive line can block for him the way that they did against Central Michigan, Oklahoma State's going to be one of the most dangerous teams in the Big 12. Those were kind of the positives for it. Um, Again, the biggest negative really from this whole weekend for both OU and OSU was Oklahoma State's defense just not being what you want it to be. And at this point, we just sit here and we wait. Or, well, okay, sit here and wait's a bad way to put it. We have urgency to let everyone in Stillwater know we just want to see these guys get better as fast as they humanly can. Uh, but I like it. I, I I still like Oklahoma State's defense. I love their 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 defensive line, and that's something that will improve. OU's running backs. Let's talk about this real quick. I Oklahoma State's running backs one need to be a little bit more involved in the offense. We need to somebody uh, see, need to see somebody other than Dom Richardson um, or be the guy for OSU. But for Oklahoma, man, how can you not love the way that the running backs played? And no, they don't have Oklahoma does not have a Heisman type running back, or they don't have a great running back in the backfield, but they have guys. They have guys that can get that tough yardage for you. Marcus Major was running through contact. Um, Eric Gray running through contact. In a lot of ways, that's much more fun to see than seeing a guy have breakaway speed because it shows you that there is some physicality. There is some toughness to Oklahoma that hasn't been there in, well, ever since Lincoln Riley took over the team because he taught them how to be finesse. Not the case anymore. We're, we're watching Oklahoma evolve into a tough physical football team, which is what you've wanted to see now for a long time. And now that it's happening... Can you be happy with this, Sooner fans? Can you be happy if the point output is not exactly where it's been the last few years, if they're playing physical, if they're winning football games, and if they're dominating the way that they did against UTEP? Oklahoma State can still be physical. They were a little finesse, and they're tending to be back in their comfort zone with this up-tempo offense. But something tells me, that if they need to grind it out, much like they did last year, and they need to give that defense a little bit of a break, Casey Dunn will figure out how to do it. So that was kind of the good, the bad, where I was right, where I was wrong from this past weekend's games. And yeah, it's a little late to get to that in midweek, but it's Labor Day. <laughs> it, it, it's Labor Day, and I, and I wanted to give praise where praise was due and criticize where it was deserved, but... I think for both fan bases, you know, this week, especially for OU, it wasn't just a win. It was a dominating win against a team you should have killed, and you didn't come out just kind of going, ah, crap, Is, are these guys going to be any good? Are they going to be able to beat anybody but UTEP? And for OSU fans, while you're questioning the defense, next week against Arizona State, OSU's got a chance to go out and make somewhat of a, somewhat of a statement. And speaking of Arizona State, We're going to get into that game coming up next. We'll also talk a little bit about the OU Kent State game. You're listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. Thanks for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. Oklahoma State, Arizona State at Boom Pickens on Saturday. Um, These two teams haven't played since 1993 when Arizona State won 12-10. In fact, the Sun Devils lead the series two games to one. Oklahoma State's biggest win in this series came back in 1984. 
That was Pat Jones' second team at OSU, and they bludgeoned Arizona State 45-3. In fact, Arizona State was a favorite. OSU was coming off a big win in the Gator Bowl to South Carolina. Got started against Arizona State, went down there, and got themselves in position to play for the national championship that year. Remember, that was the year that OU was well, OU was... OU was two in the coaches' poll. Oklahoma State was three in the coaches' poll. And then the AP, it was reversed. And whoever won was going to the Orange Bowl to play Washington. And most likely, whoever won that game would have won the national championship. Now, you can argue BYU was going to win it no matter what. But I got to trust Pat Jones that the voters would have picked OU or OSU had they just beaten Washington. And, well, OU failed on that. And Pat Jones still swears that he would have beaten Washington because what happened? Uh, the opening season in 1985 or the opening game in 1985, OSU punked Washington. So a little bit of a history lesson there. As far as this Arizona State team goes, they go out and beat they go out and beat NAU um, this past week, and not just beat them, but scored 40 points on them. They only gave up three. Uh, in fact, Herman Edwards, or Herm Edwards, uh, his teams have been very good on, on defense. In fact, giving up less than 30 points to 31 of the 43 opponents that he's faced. However, you probably haven't faced an offense as good as Oklahoma State's during his entire time at Arizona State. Because remember, USC has been down. Okay, this is we're not talking about Herm Edwards having to face a USC team that had Matt Leinart or Reggie Bush or Lindell White or any or any of these cats. No, he's faced some pretty bad USC teams. And what you kind of expect from Oklahoma State, who had over 400 yards in total offense this past week, is to run that up tempo offense, force Arizona State to get tired. The other thing you got to remember is they're coming up to Oklahoma. Yes, Arizona is hot, but it's not humid. And Oklahoma State has to use that to their advantage. They've got to wear these guys out as fast as they possibly can. And don't expect Casey Dunn to slam on the brakes. Even if the defense is struggling early in this game, he wants to keep it up-tempo probably until I would think midway through about the third quarter. And if Oklahoma State has, say, a, say a four, 14, you know, seven, 14 to 17 point lead, then you might be able to, to slow it down a little bit. But don't take, don't take your foot off the gas whatsoever. Um, the other thing I think is interesting is um, Emory Jones is their quarterback to transfer out of Florida. He only threw 18 passes this past week. Of course, they didn't really have to work to beat Northern Arizona. So their defensive line, who dominated this game, hasn't played against an offensive line, as patchwork as it may be for Oklahoma State. You have to think they haven't played against, you know they haven't played an offensive line that's as good against Oklahoma State. You know that their offensive line hasn't been challenged by a defensive line that's as good as OSU's. And even though they saw on film uh, that you can throw short passes and you can force the linebackers and the secondaries to tackle, what you have to think is that Oklahoma State is going to have to to do or what they're going to do is work to get pressure in this game and make sure that uh, Emory Jones is uncomfortable any time 
he goes back to pass. The other thing you have to look out for is just him running the ball, uh, which which he will do from time to time. Um, ultimately, I think Oklahoma State wins this game. Arizona State comes in a little bit banged up. Herm Edwards is fighting for his job. There are already rumors about Urban Meyer taking over at Arizona State, which think about that when you wake up. Even if your fans don't necessarily want Urban Meyer and it's a 50-50 split amongst Arizona State fans about whether or not they would want him or somebody else, that's still your job being talked about. That's still your job. Somebody wants to take they want to take a, take it away from you. So you wake up with that when you're Herman Edwards, and now you have to go out and get a team ready to play. Very hard to focus, but that's why coaches get paid millions and millions of dollars, plus there's the whole NCAA violation situation uh, that could get him fired. As far as OU Kent State goes this week, not really worried about this game from who the opponent is. Kent State went up to Washington, got beat by the Huskies this past week. They're here in Tulsa practicing out at Tulsa Union Union Stadium. A lot of talk about them trying to get used to the humidity. Um, yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, I'll buy that if that's what they're trying to sell. I would also think that this is probably a lot more cost-effective for them to just fly out to Oklahoma, practice all week, go play the game, and then fly back to Ohio versus go from Washington to Ohio. You're in Kent for a few days, and then you fly down to you fly down to Norman, play the game, and fly back. It all seems like it would be. It's just it's a co- it's a money saving measure more than it is a getting used to the humidity measure. Uh, the the thing that could backfire backfire <laughs> on that backfire. The thing that could backfire with Kent State on that is the simple fact that you're not in your own bed. You're not comfortable. You're not in your film room. You're not in your conference room. Like all the all the amenities, everything that you're used to, well, you're now a little bit out of your element. And you're sharing a weight room with a high school football team. And your film accommodations and everything else are all set up different. So you're out of routine. It's like an early bowl trip. But not really. And the other this weird thing about this is, is you can't look. You couldn't have thought you were going to beat Oklahoma when you decided to do this. If you were whether you're practicing here or whether you're practicing in Tulsa or, or in Ohio, you can't think that you're going to beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to bludgeon Kent this weekend. Okay, it, that's what's going to happen. So I don't know why you do it this way, other than to save money. Um, I'm just going to say I wish Kent State the best of luck, but not too much luck. And I hope OU looks as good as they did uh, this this past weekend. So good for them. Uh, finally, Brent Venables doesn't want to talk about the college football playoff, although he, he did say that he thought it might be good that some other teams are going to be in it. Uh, Mike Gundy says he didn't know if there are 12 teams that really could win the college football playoff. Mike, it's not about whether or not 12 teams could win the college football playoff. What it's about is giving more fan bases an opportunity to stay engaged with the college football season. And thank God we're finally starting to see playoff expansion. 16 16 would have been better. Uh, And a few years ago, I wouldn't have told you that because I thought the thing that separated college football from every 
from every other sport is the simple fact or the thing that did separate college football from every other sport is in college football, we were always trying to figure out who the best team was. We weren't necessarily trying to crown a champion. We weren't necessarily trying to have a playoff. We wanted to know who the best team was and whether we voted on them or saw them go in a head-to-head matchup against the second-best team in the country, that's what we wanted. We didn't want it to become like basketball, where one of 68 teams could win this tournament, and they're the champions, but maybe they're not necessarily the best team. Well, the one huge drawback about that is, is when there's only four teams in the playoff, or the BCS, where there was only two teams that were going to play for the national championship, fan bases tend to get disillusioned. Fan bases tend to quit caring when your team is eliminated from the playoff. Well, now with one, two losses, depending on who your team is, you're still going to be more engaged throughout the regular season because your team is fighting for a spot in the playoffs. That's what this is about. It's not necessarily about crowning a champion. It's about more fan bases being involved and more people being engaged and every game in late October, all the way through November, means something. Even if it's a two-loss, even if two two two-loss teams are playing each other, it means something because that then becomes a playoff elimination game. It's not a game to eliminate somebody from playing in, say, the Citrus Bowl versus the New Mexico Bowl. And maybe we will finally see the bowls disappear, which honestly they should because players don't want to play 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 in them anymore. And coaches are, are much more excited about the extra practice that you get from a bowl game than, than the bowl game itself. So that needs to happen. The bowl games need to go away. This is the start of that. This is a better day for college football. And Mike, you're right. 12 teams can't win the college football playoff. 12 teams don't have a legitimate shot at being a national champion, but with more fan bases involved, that's exactly what college football want. Plus, it opens up opportunities for OU as they go to the Southeastern Conference and for Oklahoma State to have a less than stellar year in the Big 12 and still get in. And when you get in, we've seen strange things happen in all sorts of playoff formats. So, don't really count anyone out simply because you may not think that as an eight seed, they've got an opportunity to win. Trust me, something funky is going to happen during the college football playoffs. It may be a few years in, but it'll happen, and then we'll get to hear somebody overblow it, how it's the greatest moment ever. All right, that wraps up this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Um, remember, please subscribe rate, and review. Give us five stars. Give us four. Give us what you think we deserve, but just let us know how we're doing. May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to paraphrase Diamond David Lee Roth, stay frosty.